please be seated. We're going to now invite up Lucy, who's going to be bringing us uh, God's Word this morning. So over to you, Lucy. Morning, everybody. So today's reading is from 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 5. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks be to God. God. So Boris is right to say that Christianity provides a superb ethical system. Indeed, in these just few short verses today, we've got a number of ethical commands and instructions. Let's read them together. Let's count them up. Let's see uh, what we've got here. And we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. We urge you, brothers, to warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. So we've got up to 10 so far. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Then we move down to verse 25. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read out to all the brothers. There we have 20 points, 20 points for instructions. So I hope you're sitting comfortably. We've got a 20-point sermon coming today. Um, no, don't worry, this is not going to be a, a, a biblical exposition of all of these things. But actually, each one of these phrases deserves a sermon in its own right. But really, the point I'm making is that actually Christianity does provide a superb ethical system. But when Boris says this, He's somewhat missing the point. Because at the heart of Christianity is the gospel. And the gospel simply means good 
news. And it's good news because it's not an invitation to do. It's a declaration of what God has done for us. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross for us, God reconciled the world to himself. He took, Jesus took our sins and our shame upon our shoulders, and he dealt with it once for all, and we are invited into a relationship with God. There is no longer a dividing wall of hostility, and we can call God our Father. And so, yes, in response to what Christ has done for us, we are to live distinctively, but at the heart of our faith is the good news of God's grace. And that is why, even though Paul is issuing all these instructions to the church, one after another, after another, after another, he's just battling them all off before he signs off his letter, he pauses for breath, or should I say he pauses for prayer halfway through. Let's pick up on those verses I didn't read. Verse 23 to 24, and he pauses for prayer and he says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. It's not about us pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's about God and he will will do it. Yes, we're called to live distinctively, but we're empowered to do so by God's grace. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, which is a Christian word for makes us holy, makes us more like Jesus. God is the one who will keep our spirits, souls, and bodies blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the one who calls us by grace, and it is He who will do it. Boy, when I when, I, when, I, when that jumped out at me this week, I was just like, wow, thank you, Jesus. You know, it takes all the pressure off us because God will do it. It's also why Paul ends his letter the same way as he starts his letter. Very first verse, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, grace and peace to you. He starts it, grace and peace to you, and the very last verse of this letter, chapter 5, verse 28, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is grace from the first to the very last. Yes, Christianity does provide a superb ethical framework, but Boris, you're somewhat missing a point. It's about God's grace to us. Yes, we're meant to live differently, but it's all framed with grace. And if you only take away three points today, it's this. God will never let you down. God will never let you off. That's why he's always calling us to become more and more holy. We get one thing sorted in our relationship with God, and God says, I want you to do this thing next. He will never let you down. He will never let you off. He calls you to be like his son, Jesus, and he will never let you go. It's all about him. It's about God from first to last. And we respond, or sometimes, very sadly, we don't. That must break God's heart. But we respond to his love for us. At the heart of Christianity is the simple truth that through Jesus, every person can have a living relationship with God. We can call him our Father. Now, as with all relationships, it's important to listen 
So I've got a bit of advice out there for any married men. If you want your wife to really carefully listen to you, and I mean pay really close attention to every single word that you say, I recommend the following. Talk in your sleep. That will get her attention. This week, my uh, wife and I are celebrating 14 years of marriage together this coming week. And I was reflecting upon this, and I was thinking, well, you know, probably for the first, you know, five years, it would tend to be me who spoke, and Catherine would listen. And then in the next, you know, five years, it would probably be Catherine who spoke, and I would listen. And then probably in the last five years, it's probably we, we both spoke, and the neighbors listened. So, you know, if we want our relationship with God to grow and to deepen, we need to listen to him. Just like if we want our relationship with others to to deepen, we need to listen to them. Listening to God has been a key part of discipleship right from the very earliest times of, this, of, of Christianity. This book was written probably 20 years after Jesus died, and in it we find the call to listen to God's Holy Spirit. Today we are reaching the end of our six-week sermon series, um, and we're covering the latter half of chapter 5. And last week we looked at the end of chapter 4 and the start of chapter 5, and we've been moving through verse by verse through this book. And what Paul was doing in last week's um, section was he was setting the record straight because there had been some that had infiltrated this fledgling church and were saying that they had claimed to have heard from God. And it was throwing all the people into a bit of a tizwaz, and that's why a report was sent to Timothy, to, through Timothy to Paul. And these false prophets had emerged, and they were teaching that all, these, all, all their loved ones of the, Thessalon- of the Thessalonica church who had died before Christ returned, they were saying, well, they've been lost to Christ. And Paul was saying, no, that's false teaching. We have an endless hope, not a hopeless end. And these same people that had infiltrated the church were were saying that they knew the date that Jesus was going to return. And he was saying, no, Jesus said we would never know the date. And that's why we've got to stay alert and not asleep. So even though Paul had just been addressing the issue of false prophecy, the very next thing he says, and out of all those 20 commands, we're going to be looking at just a couple of them this morning. In verse 19 to 20, he says this, but do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. You know, he just finished dealing with an issue with people who claim to hear from God, and the very next thing he says, he says, but saints, don't chuck out the baby with the bathwater. I think sometimes we can be in danger of doing this as a, as a, as a worldwide church. We, we are so worried about false teachers infiltrating that we just try and, you know, cut it all off. But actually, he's saying we need to be open to what God is saying to us. As a father of three, sometimes I find myself, you know, fixing things that the children have broken and saying to him, please don't do that again. And here Paul is fixing things that someone else has broken and he's saying, but please do it again. Don't give up pushing into God, trying to listen to him. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. It's hard work. It's easier to shut it down. 
But actually we need to allow the Spirit's fire, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So this morning, I want to just uh, unpick three ways in which we can listen to the Holy Spirit, how we can make sure we don't put out the Spirit's fire, that we do not treat prophecies with contempt. And the first way in which we can listen to the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through Scripture. This is words that were written a long time ago, but as Christians we don't believe they're just words that are on a page. We believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us through these words, that he brings them alive and he applies them to our hearts and to our lives. And this is why we have at the end of our weekly snapshot, our weekly news bulletin, something called our closer readings. Now, we don't mind if you follow the closer readings or you want to follow some other readings, as long as you are reading the Bible, because it's through the Bible that God speaks to us. And we call them closer readings because we have an expectation that God will speak to us. And it's through listening to the Word of God that's how we draw closer to him. Because we don't read the Bible for information. I'm not really that bothered about information. Do you see what I mean? I just read the Bible to allow God to speak into my daily life. It's how God speaks to us most clearly. And so this morning, I thought I'd share with you just one model, but it's a model that people have found really helpful over the years to help us read the Bible, not for information, but for God to speak into our hearts. And it uses an acronym called SOAP. SOAP. So what happens is, if I'm opening uh, the Bible, every time that I open the Bible, I will always say, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would somehow speak to me through this passage, bring it alive to me. You know, and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. I was reading uh, Joshua this morning. I can't say that the Lord spoke to me like a thunderbolt out of the cities of refuge bit. Sometimes, you know, he does and sometimes uh, he doesn't. But I always come with an expectation that God will speak to me. And I always have one ear on the passage and one ear on what God might be saying to us. And so how do I use this word? Uh, how do I use this acronym SOAP? Well, S stands for Scripture. So I read my passage... And I'm looking for one verse or one phrase that stands out to me. I say, what's that one piece of scripture? What's that one nugget out of all that passage that is standing out? And, I'm, and I make a note of that. And then I think, well, O stands for observation. So what is it that I notice about that verse? What stands out about it? What is it that's speaking to me? And then I move on to the A, application. So you're saying to me this, or I believe that, God, you're saying to me this through this verse. So God, what do you want me to do in response to this? And then the P just stands for prayer. And I just wrap it up with a very short prayer, often just a sentence, Lord God, help me to, or Lord God, you know, whatever it is. S, scripture, O, observation, A, application, and P, prayer. And, uh, and uh, you know, for, for, for a long time, I really didn't get into journaling. I know lots of people find journaling helpful. Uh, I've now found uh, a, a helpful way to journal because I don't put myself under too much pressure. What I've got now is a five-year journal, um, and on each page, you've got um, one day of the year. But that is a five-year journal because you go across and in the top box on each page, you write down maybe how God's been speaking to you through that passage each day. 
And then you go into the next year and you buy underneath it. So you've only actually got a few lines to, to buy how God is speaking to you. You don't have to write lots and lots and lots. Some people find that helpful, but personally, I just uh, find just writing a little short reflection using the acronym SOAP helpful in, to, to hear how God is speaking to us. So um, I thought we would try that now. So there's nothing like uh, proper biblical application. So you may not have your Bibles uh, uh, open, but if you do, then that's great. There's going to be some scripture coming up. I told you we haven't got time to look at the whole passage, so I thought we'd get you guys to do the sermon and you can preach to yourself. Uh, So we're going to look at the first uh, few verses of our passage today. And again, I just want you to listen to what verse or what phrase or what word stands out to you And then what do you observe about it? And what God is asking you to do about it? And then just end it with a prayer. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go through that together. So we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn the idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other, and to everyone else. So as we read those words, what phrase stood out to you? What word stood out to you? And what did you notice about it? And the application, what might God be asking you to do in response to that word? And now we're just going to pause and just in the silence of our hearts, we're going to pray about that. Thank you, Lord. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us through Scripture. We need to get into God's Word every day. Secondly, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His saints. Last week, I uh, spoke upon how we are designed for community, how we need one another as Christians, and how discipleship doesn't happen in isolation. Discipleship happens in community. We rub off, we bounce off, we encourage one another. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through other Christians, through his saints. And this is why, um, for instance, you know, in complex situations where I've been like, oh, face masks or not face masks, you know, I haven't just been sitting with my Bible, although I, I, I do sit with the Bible, Lord, speak to me through it. I've also been coming and speaking to many of you within a church family because I'm, I, 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 I come with an expectation that God will speak through his people. This is also why... Um, Uh, We have our prayer meeting before the service at 9.30. You're invited to a prayer meeting if you want to, 9.30 each week before the service, where, yes, we pray for the service, but also we have a time of listening to what God might be saying to us and any words that God might be wanting us to share. 
Like today, we had a sense that perhaps there's, uh, uh, that, that, that there's people out there or people that we know that are hurting, and we might feel as if it's just a graze. But a graze can be as painful and as deep as a wound. And so we just need to be gentle with one another, even though we think maybe that that person should have got over it by now or something. But actually, there may be uh, someone that we know that just needs us to extend that extra bit of love to them. So God speaks through Scripture. The Holy Spirit speaks through his saints. And lastly, the Holy Spirit speaks through signs. God speaks to us in many other ways, which we could broadly categorize as signs, just because there's three S's there. Uh, You know, um, uh, so God speaks to us in dreams. We see this in Scripture, like in Jacob's, uh, when Jacob goes to sleep, he has the world's worst pillow. He sleeps on a stone. Um, when he, when he uh, goes to sleep, he sees this vision of Jacob's ladder. Uh, so God speaks to us in dreams. Um, God speaks to us in visions. Uh, God speaks to us in nature. So, for instance, when Jonah, at the end of the book of Jonah, God speaks to Jonah through a vine and uh, that he's given him shade. So let me encourage you, as you're out and about, as you're talking to other Christians, to have one ear open to what God might be saying to you. As you're out and about, you might just catch something that you, catches your eye and just think, Lord, what are you saying to me through that? So God speaks through Scripture, saints, and signs. But then he says this, do not treat, put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt. And then he says one sentence, test everything. Not test something, test everything. That's why one of the things I'm looking forward to next week is, yes, having, we're going to worship together, but we can get the Bibles back out in our chairs. And because I want you to test everything that I'm saying, that's why we encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. We are to test everything. Just a short sentence, one of the shortest sentences in Scripture. But we need to be open to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We need to discern whether it is God speaking or whether it's not God speaking. So just to finish, I want to address that question. How do we test? How do we test everything? Well, we could give a whole uh, sermon on these two words, but I just want to address three quick ways we can test whether it is the Holy Spirit speaking or not the Holy Spirit, just our own gut feeling or whether it's some external influence. So number one, does it align with Scripture? The first test we can apply is, does it align with the content of this book? Because God is never going to say, like, oh, you should withhold justice to the poor. No, we shouldn't. It's very clear in this book, we shouldn't be withholding justice from the poor. We shouldn't be treating richer people better than poorer people. We're meant to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, it says the Bereans examined the scriptures to see if what they were hearing was true. And we're made to make sure we're examining the scriptures. Secondly, does it build up and benefit the church? Because God is always in the business of building his church and not tearing it down, encouraging and strengthening. Yes, there are times when it's the role um, of, of teachers and leaders to admonish you. That's what it says in this, this passage. You know, although, you know, that's quite a, a strong word, but I feel sometimes maybe, you know, I'm failing in, in my role as teacher if I don't, if you don't come away from Sundays feeling challenged 
in your faith. But, but I hope I do so in a way that builds up the church because God is always in the process of building his church. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says this, everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. The one who prophesies edifies the church. So, test number one is just the content aligned with the Bible. Test number two, does it build us up, ultimately build us up? Yeah, or does it look to bring shame and tear us down? And number three, the source. What type of tree is it from? There's loads more I could unpack about this. But for instance, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus begins by telling us that we're not to judge others. But then he says this, watch out for false prophets. Don't judge others, but watch out for false prophets. That's what Jesus says straight after this. So we're not to judge, but we're not to be gullible either. Good fruit comes from good trees. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. This is one of the dangers. We love uh, the, the wonders of technology uh, because, you know, it gets the message far and wide. But actually, if we listen to a podcast of a, of, of a pastor that's 400 miles away, we don't actually know about about the fruit of their lives, do we? You guys, you know, can see the fruit of my lives. We live with one another. You can see how much I shout at my wife and my wife. No, no, they're joking. You know, but we, we live with one another. And that's why it's important to assess uh, whether what someone's fruit is, what their character and their conduct is. If it's not honoring to God, if their lives are not honoring to God, then we're not to judge them. But it's also important not to take what they are saying as if God is speaking. Because if someone is living in open rebellion towards God, it's very unlikely that God's going to choose them to bring their message. So, test everything. Hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. Christianity is about a relationship, and we need to listen to God if we want this relationship to grow and to flourish. That's three ways that God speaks to us. Scripture, signs, and the saints. And three ways we can test if it really is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. The content, does it align with Scripture? The helpfulness, does it comfort and strengthen? And the source, what tree is it from? So do not put out the Spirit's fire. We want to leave space for God in our services and in our lives, but we're to test everything. Saints, we have been saved by grace through faith, and it's all a gift from God. By dealing with our sins upon the cross, Jesus has made a way for us that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and God wants that relationship to deepen. And that's why he sends his Holy Spirit to us, to speak to us, and to be at work in our lives. And so, will we partner with the Holy Spirit? As I said earlier, some of us choose not to respond to the Holy Spirit. But let us respond to his love. Yeah, we want to make sure we don't want to put out the Spirit's fire. So what will you do this coming week in these coming months? You know, will you sit down and, and try to follow our closer readings or some other form of readings and, and sit quietly and ask God to speak to you through them? Or perhaps you just want to be a little bit more attentive to what God might be saying as you go about your daily walk, you know, walk and just always be, you know, God, what are you saying as you're out for a walk? God is speaking. Let us listen. So saints, 
let us listen now. We're going to stand. We're going to invite back up the worship band. And we're going to invite God's Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. So let's stand. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you, as Liz prayed earlier, that you are in this place. And Lord, we want to give you space now to speak to us. Speak to us corporately and speak to us individually. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. 